I'm Sam Patterson. Welcome to Beyond the Hour of Code. Welcome to Episode 3 of Beyond the Hour of Code, Offline Programming and the Power of Dance. This was perhaps my favorite chapter of the book to write because the more I thought and wrote about dance and offline programming, the more I saw its fundamental use, especially with younger students. So why should we program offline? There's a lot of reasons, because when we're talking about computational thinking and programming, we're not just talking about tablet use or robot use, but especially for our younger students, bringing those programming concepts into the physical space they're in and putting them in the middle of that program, so to speak, really helps them understand programming in a much more concrete way. There are so many ways you can do offline programming. I want to start just by talking about what makes a good offline programming lesson. First and foremost, use a programming concept and make it visible. If you're learning about sequence, have students build sequences and then perform sequences. Have them write sequences for each other to perform. Use the vocabulary that you've introduced in your programming lessons in the offline lessons as well. So if you are referring to a series of commands as an algorithm, continue to use the word algorithm. When you're talking about loops, talk about loops. Don't just say repeats. Really use this as an opportunity to get students very familiar with the vocabulary of programming, get them using the vocabulary of programming, get them actually performing the different aspects of programming all before they're trying to negotiate the interface of the device, which is its own level of complexity. Perhaps the most interesting part of offline programming and the most important key to making a good lesson is to use your physical space. Uh, grids make for great programming. They also gr make for amazing math practice. So if you have enough space to bust out the blue tape and make a big grid, do so. Put objects on the grid, have students start at one location, and have them write commands to get to another location. Uh, a grid gives them all common reference points, even if they're all writing 25 individual dances at different parts of the grid. The grid kind of sets up that universal understanding of what one move forward or to the side is. There are many great resources out there for offline programming, including a full curriculum of CS Unplugged resources. I'll make sure those are in the notes on this show. And the app Codable, which is definitely a favorite of mine for working with students uh, who are pre-readers and getting them to understand a wide variety of programming concepts, also has an offline unit that I first came across in, during the Hour of Code. It's the Fuzz Family Frenzy, and it's a very simple get a student to do a thing by writing a program kind of approach. Uh, very organized, very easy to do, lots of support. It's a great place to start, and that'll be in the show notes also. I've already mentioned dance, and why don't we get right down to it? I'm dancing more this year with my students than ever before, and so much of it has to do with this discovery that if we want students to understand computer science concepts like loops, where you have a repeated sequence inside of a repeated sequence, 
uh, dance is a really great opportunity to do that. Kids love dance, it's very physical, and when you write a program of a dance and all of the students perform it together, they can see how that communication works. They can see that they can write a program of a dance and their fellow classmates can then perform it. Uh, it's a lot of fun and it's super empowering. And the only trick is you have to make sure your kids are comfortable with dancing, right? If you've been sitting behind your computers every day and then suddenly you're like, all right, we're going to dance. There are some kids, if you're enthusiastic enough, I think they'll go with you. But who might say, um, pardon me, why are we dancing in tech class? And actually, I have that conversation with many teachers. I have giant windows on my room, so it's kind of teaching in a fishbowl. And everybody walks by and sees me and the littles dancing our booty off. Um, which we do almost every class and we use the website Go Noodle. It is totally awesome. If you do not know Go Noodle, you should go totally go check it out. Um, it's not code specific. It is dance and movement and mindfulness and stretching and yoga. I love it for beginning classes and ending classes and when I discovered the interplay between dance and coding, I brought more of the dance in so that we could use it to talk about programming and to get kids writing their own dance programs. Even if you're not a person who has traditionally danced much, you can do most of the dance that's called for in any Go Noodle Zumba routine and your effort to do what they're doing and your coming up short is a great example for the kids because many of them struggle with performing all of these Zumba routines except for the ones who go to Zumba because they know exactly what to do because they've been going to classes for it. So if you have those kids, you know, and they want to help other people, great. Otherwise, we all struggle through it together, but we have a great time. And you know, it keeps coming back to that having a great time. So I want to talk specifically about one dance that kind of sets the stage for my dancing and coding lesson with the kindergarten and the first grade students. It's called the Cupid Shuffle and it's really, really simple. And the group Kids Bop has a version that they've recorded of it that is completely classroom appropriate. Now if you don't know Kids Bop, if you're going to do dancing, then you say, okay, what is our music? Because some of that music has elements in it that I do not want in my classroom. And Kids Bop does a pretty good job of maintaining the original intent of the song while sanitizing it to, for a young audience. And there will be a link to the Kids Bop Shuffle video in the notes also. But if you do a search for Kids Bop Shuffle, you can find it. So... When the students come in, I've got all the tables and chairs out of the way. I've got a giant blue tape grid on the floor, usually a one foot, maybe a two foot grid, uh, two foot squares or one foot square, depending on how much I felt like following the two foot tiles or measuring my own. Um, I like it better with the one foot square because the kids don't need a whole lot more than that, especially the really small ones, and it keeps, gives them more steps to take. Um, they come in and I've got on the board this series of steps written. It's four step to the rights, followed by four step to the lefts, followed by kick your left leg forward and rest your heel on the ground, kick your right leg forward and rest your heel on the ground, left leg, right leg, walk in place and turn your body 90 degrees. 
and we do this without music and then we perform the kids bop video with music and then we look at these instructions and we say how could these be made better how can we make these instructions easier and we start talking about creating efficient code so we look at that first one step to the right step to the right step to the right step to the right and we say how could we write this all on one line and usually someone will propose a step to the right times four so we can do step to the right times four or even a right hand arrow times four and we get that as short as we can then we move on to the step to the left work with that then we look at the left leg right leg interchange that switches twice and we talk a lot about how we could get this to work and what could be a more efficient way of writing this code and then we look at the walk in place and turn your body 90 degrees and we try to figure out a way to write that uh, we transform everything into symbol language because these are my pre-readers and we want them to be comfortable so we have symbols that mean all of these things and then we talk about the fact that the whole thing repeats multiple times during the dance then we ask them to write their own dance uh, they're in pairs they have a whiteboard and a marker we have a sink they can wash the marker off uh, they have a whiteboard and a marker and a partner a big grid we've got the kids bop music going in the background I usually just put on my Pandora station and I use they have a kids bop channel and I use that one and it works out pretty well there are occasional uh, commercials but uh, I just turn it down if I notice and they build their dances and then pretty soon we have them start performing dances for each other and performing each other's dances it's super super fun uh, I can get it all done in 40 minutes but usually they want to do it more than once so we bring this back a couple of times and anytime I need to talk about repetition they've got or, or uh, loops they've got this lesson so that's the quick version of offline programming and the power of dance to develop logic check out the book for the full version forward to talking to you next time. Be sure to check out the other great shows on teachercast.net, a place where teachers help teachers.